Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Tonight, I will be reading The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. One. How it came to pass that Master Cherry, the carpenter, found a piece of wood that laughed and cried like a child. There was, once upon a time, a king, my little readers will instantly exclaim. No, children, you are wrong. There was once upon a time a piece of wood. 
This wood was not valuable. It was only a common log, like those that are burnt in winter in the stoves and fireplaces, to make a cheerful blaze and warm the rooms. I cannot say how it came about, but the fact is that one fine day, this piece of wood was lying in the shop of an old carpenter of the name of Master Antonio. He was, however, called by everybody Master Cherry, on account of the end of his nose, which was always as red and polished as a ripe cherry. No sooner had Master Cherry set eyes on the piece of wood than his face beamed with delight, and rubbing his hands together with satisfaction, he said softly to himself, This wood has come at the right moment. It will just do to make the leg of a little table. Having said this, he immediately took a sharp axe with which to remove the bark and the rough surface. Just, however, as he was going to give the first stroke, he remained with his arm suspended in the air, for he heard a very small voice saying imploringly, Do not strike me so hard. Picture to yourselves the astonishment of good old Master Cherry. He turned his terrified eyes all round the room to try and discover where the little voice could possibly have come from, but he saw nobody. He looked under the bench, nobody. He looked into a cupboard that was always shut, nobody. He looked into a basket of shavings and sawdust, nobody. He even opened the door of the shop and gave a glance into the street, and still nobody. Who then could it be? I see how it is, he said, laughing and scratching his wig. Evidently that little voice was all my imagination. Let us set to work again. And taking up the axe, he struck a tremendous blow on the piece of wood. Oh, you've heard me, cried the same little voice dolefully. This time, Master Cherry was petrified. His eyes started out of his head with fright. His mouth remained open, and his tongue hung out almost to the end of his chin like a mask on a fountain. As soon as he had recovered the use of his speech, he began to say, stuttering and trembling with fear. But where on earth can that little voice have come from that said that? Here there is certainly not a living soul. Is it possible that this piece of wood could have learnt to cry and to lament like a child? I cannot believe it. This piece of wood, here it is, a log for fuel, like all the others, and thrown on the fire it would suffice to boil a saucepan of beans. How then? Can anyone be hidden inside it? If anyone is hidden inside, so much the worse for him. I will settle him at once. So saying, he seized the poor piece of wood and commenced beating it without mercy against the walls of the room. Then he stopped to listen if he could hear any little voice lamenting. He waited two minutes, nothing. Five minutes, nothing. Ten minutes, still nothing. I see how it is, he then said, forcing himself to laugh and pushing up his wig. Evidently, the little voice that said, oh, was all my imagination. Let us set to work again. But as all the same, he was in a great fright. 
he tried to sing to give himself a little courage. Putting the axe aside, he took his plane to plane and polish the bit of wood. But whilst he was running it up and down, he heard the same little voice saying, laughing, Have done. You're tickling me all over. This time, poor Master Cherry fell down as if he had been struck by lightning. When he at last opened his eyes, he found himself seated on the floor. His face was quite changed, even the end of his nose, instead of being crimson, as it nearly always was, had become blue from fright. 2. Master Cherry makes a present of the piece of wood to his friend, Geppetto, who takes it to make for himself a wonderful puppet that shall know how to dance and to fence and to leap like an acrobat. At that moment, someone knocked at the door. Come in, said the carpenter, without having the strength to rise to his feet. A lively little old man immediately walked into the shop. His name was Geppetto, but when the boys in the neighbourhood wished to put him in a passion, they called him by the nickname of Polandina, because his yellow wig greatly resembled a pudding made of Indian corn. Geppetto was very fiery. Woe to him who called him Polandina. He became furious, and there was no holding him. Good day, Master Antonio, said Geppetto. What are you doing here, on the floor? I'm teaching the alphabet to the ants. Much good may that do you. What has brought you to me, neighbour Geppetto? My legs. But to say the truth, Master Antonio, I've come to ask a favour of you. Here I am, ready to serve you, replied the carpenter getting on to his knees. This morning an idea came into my head. Let us hear it. I thought I would make a beautiful wooden puppet. But a wonderful puppet that should know how to dance, to fence, and to leap like an acrobat. With this puppet, I would travel around the world to earn a piece of bread and a glass of wine. What do you think of it? Bravo, Polandina exclaimed the same little voice, and it was impossible to say where it came from. Hearing himself called Polandina, Geppetto became as red as a turkey from rage, and turning to the carpenter, he said in a fury, Why do you insult me? Who insults you? You called me Polandina. It was not I. Would you have it, then, that it was I? It was you, I say. No. Yes. No. Yes. And becoming more and more angry from words they came to blows, and flying at each other, they bit and fought and scratched manfully. When the fighting was over, Master Antonio was in possession of Geppetto's yellow wig, and Geppetto discovered that the grey wig belonging to the carpenter had remained between his teeth. Give me back my wig, screamed Master Antonio. And you, Return me mine, and let us make friends. The two old men, having each recovered his own wig, shook hands, and swore that they would remain friends to the end of their lives. Well then, neighbour Geppetto, said the carpenter, to prove that peace was made. What is the favour that you wish of me? I want a little wood to make my puppet. Will you give me some? Master Antonio was delighted, and immediately went to the bench and fetched the piece of wood 
that had caused him so much fear. But just as he was going to give it to his friend, the piece of wood gave a shake, and wriggling violently out of his hands, struck with all its force against the dried-up shins of poor Geppetto. Ah, is that the courteous way in which you make your presence, Master Antonio? You have almost lamed me. I swear to you that it was not I. Then would you have it that it was I? The wood is entirely to blame. I know that it was the wood, but it was you that hit my legs with it. I did not hit you with it, liar. Geppetto, don't insult me or I will call you Polandina. Ass. Polandina. Donkey. Polandina. Baboon. Polandina. On hearing himself called Polandina for the third time, Geppetto, blind with rage, fell upon the carpenter and they fought desperately. When the battle was over, Master Antonio had two more scratches on his nose and his adversary had two buttons too little on his waistcoat. Their accounts being thus squared, they shook hands and swore to remain good friends for the rest of their lives. Geppetto carried off his fine piece of wood, and thanking Master Antonio, returned, limping to his house. 3. Geppetto, having returned home, begins at once to make a puppet, to which he gives the name of Pinocchio the first tricks played by the puppet. Geppetto lived in a small ground-floor room that was only lighted from the staircase. The furniture could not have been simpler. A chair, a poor bed, and a broken-down table. At the end of the room there was a fireplace with a lighted fire, but the fire was painted, and by the fire was a painted saucepan that was boiling cheerfully and sending out a cloud of smoke that looked exactly like real smoke. As soon as he reached home, Geppetto took his tools and set to work to cut out and model his puppet. What name shall I give him? he said to himself. I think I will call him Pinocchio. It is a name that will bring him luck. I once knew a whole family so called. There was a Pinocchio the father, Pinocchio the mother, and Pinocchio the children and all of them did well. The richest of them was a beggar. Having found a name for his puppet, he began to work in good earnest, and he first made his hair, then his forehead, and then his eyes. The eyes being finished, imagine his astonishment when he perceived that they moved and looked fixedly at him. Geppetto, seeing himself stared at by those two wooden eyes, took it almost in bad part and said in an angry voice, Wicked wooden eyes, why do you look at me? No one answered. He then proceeded to carve the nose, but no sooner had he made it than it began to grow, and it grew and grew and grew, until in a few minutes it had become an immense nose that seemed as if it would never end. Poor Geppetto tired himself out with cutting it off, but the more he cut and shortened it, the longer did that impertinent nose become. The mouth was not even completed when it began to laugh and deride him. Stop laughing, said Geppetto, provoked, but he might as well have spoken to the wall. Stop laughing, I say, he roared in a threatening tone. The mouth then ceased laughing, put out its tongue as far as it would go. Geppetto, 
not to spoil his handiwork, pretended not to see, and continued his labours. After the mouth he fashioned the chin, then the throat, then the shoulders, the stomach, the arms, and the hands. The hands were scarcely finished when Geppetto felt his wig snatched from his head. He turned round, and what did he see? He saw his yellow wig in the puppet's hand. Pinocchio, give me back my wig instantly. But Pinocchio, instead of returning it, put it on his own head and was in consequence nearly smothered. Geppetto, at this insolent and derisive behaviour, felt sadder and more melancholy than he had ever been in his life before. And turning to Pinocchio, he said to him, You young rascal, you're not yet completed, and you're already beginning to show want of respect to your father. That is bad, my boy, very bad. And he dried a tear. The legs and the feet remained to be done. When Geppetto had finished the feet, he received a kick on the point of his nose. I deserve it, he said to himself. I should have thought of it sooner. Now it is too late. He then took the puppet under the arms and placed him on the floor to teach him to walk. Pinocchio's legs were stiff and he could not move, but Geppetto led him by the hand and showed him how to put one foot before the other. When his legs became flexible, Pinocchio began to walk by himself and to run about the room, until, having gone out of the house door, he jumped into the street and escaped. Poor Geppetto rushed after him, but was not able to overtake him, for that rascal Pinocchio leapt in front of him like a hare, and knocking his wooden feet together against the pavement, made as much clatter as twenty pairs of peasants' clogs. Stop him, stop him, shouted Geppetto. But the people in the street, seeing a wooden puppet running like a racehorse, stood still in astonishment to look at it, and laughed and laughed and laughed, until it beats description. At last, as luck would have it, a carabineer arrived who, hearing the uproar, imagined that a colt had escaped from his master. Planting himself courageously with his legs apart in the middle of the road, he waited with the determined purpose of stopping him and thus preventing the chance of worse disasters. When Pinocchio, still at some distance, saw the carabineer barricading the whole street, he endeavoured to take him by surprise and to pass between his legs, but he failed. The carabineer, without disturbing himself in the least, caught him cleverly by the nose. It was an immense nose of ridiculous proportions that seemed made on purpose to be laid hold of by carabineers and consigned him to Geppetto. Wishing to punish him, Geppetto intended to pull his ears at once, but imagine his feelings when he could not succeed in finding them. And do you know the reason? It was that in his hurry to model him, he had forgotten to make them. He then took him by the collar, and as he was leading him away, he said to him, shaking his head threateningly, We will go home at once, and as soon as we arrive, we will regulate our accounts, never doubt it. At this announcement, Pinocchio threw himself on the ground and would not take another step. In the meanwhile, a crowd of idlers and inquisitive people began to assemble and to make a ring around them. Some of them said one thing, some another. Poor puppet, said several. He is right not to wish to return home. 
who knows how Geppetto, that bad old man, will beat him. And the others added maliciously, Geppetto seems a good man, but with boys he's a regular tyrant. If that poor puppet is left in his hands, he's quite capable of tearing him to pieces. It ended in so much being said and done that the carabineer at last set Pinocchio at liberty and conducted Geppetto to prison. The poor man, not being ready with words to defend himself, cried like a calf, and as he was being led away to prison, sobbed out, Wretched boy, and to think how I've laboured to make him a well-conducted puppet. But it serves me right. I should have thought of it sooner. What happened afterwards is a story that really is past all belief, but I will relate it to you in the following chapters. 4. The Story of Pinocchio and the Talking Cricket From which we see that naughty boys cannot endure to be corrected by those who know more than they do. Well then, children, I must tell you that whilst poor Geppetto was being taken to prison for no fault of his, that imp Pinocchio, finding himself free from the clutches of the carabineer, ran off as fast as his legs could carry him. That he might reach home the quicker, he rushed across the fields, and in his mad hurry he jumped high banks, thorn hedges and ditches full of water, exactly as a kid or a leveret would have done if pursued by hunters. Having arrived at the house, he found the street door ajar. He pushed it open, went in, and having secured the latch, threw himself seated on the ground and gave a great sigh of satisfaction. But his satisfaction did not last long, for he heard someone in the room who was saying, Cree, Cree, Cree. Who calls me? said Pinocchio, in a fright. It is I. Pinocchio turned round and saw a big cricket crawling slowly up the wall. Tell me, Cricket, who may you be? I am the talking Cricket, and I have lived in this room a hundred years and more. Now, however, this room is mine, said the puppet, and if you would do me a pleasure, go away at once, without even turning round. I will not go, answered the Cricket, until I have told you a great truth. Tell it me, then, and be quick about it. Woe to those boys who rebel against their parents and run away capriciously from home. They will never come to any good in the world, and sooner or later they will repent bitterly. Sing away, Cricket, as you please, and as long as you please. For me, I have made up my mind to run away tomorrow at daybreak, because if I remain, I shall not escape the fate of all other boys. I shall be sent to school, and I shall be made to study either by love or by force. To tell you in confidence, I have no wish to learn. It is much more amusing to run after butterflies or to climb trees than to take the young birds out of their nests. Poor little goose. But do you not know that in that way you will grow up a perfect donkey and that everyone will make game of you? Hold your tongue, you wicked, ill-omened croaker, shouted Pinocchio. But the cricket, who was patient and philosophical, instead of becoming angry at this impertinence, continued in the same tone. But if you do not wish to go to school, why not at least learn a trade, if only to enable you to earn honestly a piece of bread? Do you want me to tell you, replied Pinocchio, 
who is beginning to lose patience. Amongst all the trades in the world, there's only one that really takes my fancy. And that trade, what is it? It is to eat, drink, sleep, and amuse myself, and to lead a vagabond life from morning to night. As a rule, said the talking cricket with the same composure, all those who follow that trade end almost always either in hospital or in prison. Take care, you wicked, ill-omened croaker. Woe to you if I fly into a passion. Poor Pinocchio, I really pity you. Why do you pity me? Because you are a puppet, and, what is worse, because you have a wooden head. At these last words, Pinocchio jumped up in a rage, and snatching a wooden hammer from the bench, he threw it at the talking cricket. Perhaps he never meant to hit him, but unfortunately it struck him exactly on the head, so that the poor cricket had scarcely breath to cry, Cree, 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 and then he remained dried up and flattened against the wall. 5. Pinocchio is hungry and searches for an egg to make himself an omelette, but just at the most interesting moment, the omelette flies out of the window. Night was coming on, and Pinocchio, remembering that he'd eaten nothing all day, began to feel a gnawing in his stomach that very much resembles appetite. But appetite with boys travels quickly. In fact, after a few minutes, his appetite had become hunger, and in no time his hunger became ravenous, a hunger that was really quite insupportable. Poor Pinocchio ran quickly to the fireplace where a saucepan was boiling, and was going to take off the lid to see what was in it, but the saucepan was only painted on the wall. You can imagine his feelings. His nose, which was already long, became longer by at least three fingers. He then began to run about the room, searching in the drawers and in every imaginable place, in hopes of finding a bit of bread. If it was only a bit of dry bread, a crust, a bone left by a dog, a little mouldy pudding of Indian corn, a fish bone, a cherry stone, in fact, anything that he could gnaw. But he could find nothing, nothing at all, absolutely nothing. And in the meanwhile, his hunger grew and grew, and poor Pinocchio had no other relief than yawning. And his yawns were so tremendous that sometimes his mouth almost reached his ears. And after he had yawned, he spluttered and felt as if he was going to faint. Then he began to cry desperately, and he said, The talking cricket was right. I did wrong to rebel against my papa and to run away from home. If my papa was here, I should not now be dying of yawning. Oh, what a dreadful illness hunger is. Just then, he thought he saw something in the dust heap, something round and white that looked like a hen's egg. To give a spring and seize hold of it was the affair of a moment. It was indeed an egg. Pinocchio's joy beats description. It can only be imagined. Almost believing it must be a dream, he kept turning the egg over in his hands, feeling it and kissing it. And as he kissed it, he said, And now, how shall I cook it? Shall I make an omelette? No, it would be better to cook it in a saucer. Or would it not be better to fry it in the frying pan? Or shall I simply boil it? No, the quickest way of all is to cook it in a saucer. I'm in such a hurry to eat it. 
Without loss of time, he placed an earthenware saucer on a brazier full of red, hot embers. Into the saucer, instead of oil or butter, he poured a little water, and when the water began to smoke, tack, he broke the eggshell over it that the contents might drop in. But instead of the white and the yolk, a little chicken popped out, very cheerful and polite. Making a beautiful curtsy, it said to him, A thousand thanks, Master Pinocchio, for saving me the trouble of breaking the shell. Adieu, until we meet again. Keep well, and my best compliments to all at home. Thus saying, it spread its wings, darted through the open window, and flying away was lost to sight. The poor puppet stood as if he had been bewitched, with his eyes fixed, his mouth open, and the eggshell in his hand. Recovering, however, from his first stupefaction, he began to cry and scream, and to stamp his feet on the floor in desperation. And amidst his sobs, he said, Ah, indeed, the talking cricket was right. If I had not run away from home, and if my papa was here, I should not now be dying of hunger. Oh, what a dreadful illness hunger is. And as his stomach cried out more than ever, and he did not know how to quiet it, he thought he would leave the house and make an excursion in the neighborhood in hopes of finding some charitable person who would give him a piece of bread. 6. Pinocchio falls asleep with his feet on the brazier and wakes in the morning to find them burnt off. It was a wild and stormy winter's night. The thunder was tremendous and the lightning so vivid that the sky seemed on fire. A bitter, blusterous wind whistled angrily and raising clouds of dust swept over the country, causing the trees to creak and groan as it passed. Pinocchio had a great fear of thunder, but hunger was stronger than fear. He therefore closed the house door and made a rush for the village which he reached in a hundred bounds, with his tongue hanging out and panting for breath like a dog after game. But he found it all dark and deserted. The shops were closed, the windows shut, and there was not so much as a dog in the street. It seemed the land of the dead. Pinocchio, urged by desperation and hunger, laid hold of the bell of a house and began to peel it with all his might, saying to himself, that will bring somebody. And so it did. A little old man appeared at the window with a nightcap on his head and called to him angrily. What do you want at such an hour? Would you be kind enough to give me a little bread? Wait there. I will be back directly, said the little old man, thinking he had to do with one of those rascally boys who amuse themselves at night by ringing the house bells to rouse respectable people who are sleeping quietly. After half a minute, the window was again opened, and the voice of the same little old man shouted to Pinocchio, Come underneath and hold out your cap. Pinocchio pulled off his cap, but just as he held it out, an enormous basin of water was poured down on him, watering him from head to foot, as if he had been a pot of dried-up geraniums. He returned home like a wet chicken, quite exhausted with fatigue and hunger, and having no longer strength to stand, he sat down and rested his damp and muddy feet on a brazier full of burning embers. And then he fell asleep. And whilst he slept, his feet, which were wooden, took fire, and little by little they burnt away 
and became cinders. Pinocchio continued to sleep and to snore as if his feet belonged to someone else. At last, about daybreak, he awoke because someone was knocking at the door. Who is there? he asked, yawning and rubbing his eyes. It is I, answered a voice, and the voice was Geppetto's voice. Seven. Geppetto returns home, makes the puppet new feet, and gives him the breakfast that the poor man had brought for himself. Poor Pinocchio, whose eyes were still half shut from sleep, had not as yet discovered that his feet were burnt off. The moment, therefore, that he heard his father's voice, he slipped off his stool to run and open the door. But after stumbling two or three times, he fell his whole length on the floor. And the noise he made in falling was as if a sack of wooden ladles had been thrown from a fifth story. Open the door, shouted Geppetto from the street. Dear Papa, I cannot, answered the puppet, crying and rolling about on the ground. Why can't you? Because my feet have been eaten. And who has eaten your feet? The cat, said Pinocchio, seeing the cat, who was amusing herself by making some shavings dance with her forepaws. Open the door, I tell you, repeated Geppetto. If you don't, when I get into the house, you shall have the cat from me. I cannot stand up, believe me. Oh, poor me. I shall have to walk on my knees for the rest of my life. Geppetto, believing that all this lamentation was only another of the puppet's tricks, thought of a means of putting an end to it, and climbing up the wall, he got in at the window. He was very angry, and at first he did nothing but scold. But when he saw his Pinocchio lying on the ground and really without feet, he was quite overcome. He took him in his arms and began to kiss and caress him, and to say a thousand endearing things to him. And as the big tears ran down his cheeks, he said, sobbing, My little Pinocchio, how did you manage to burn your feet? I don't know, Papa, but believe me, it has been an infernal night that I shall remember as long as I live. It thundered and lightened, and I was very hungry. And then the talking cricket said to me, It serves you right, you've been wicked and you deserve it. And I said to him, Take care, cricket. And he said, You are a puppet and you have a wooden head. And I threw the handle of the hammer at him, and he died. But the fault was his, for I didn't wish to kill him. And the proof of it is that I put an earthenware saucer on a brazier of burning embers, but a chicken flew out and said, Adieu, until we meet again, and many compliments to all at home. And I got still more hungry, for which reason that little old man in a nightcap, opening the window, said to me, Come underneath and hold out your hat, and poured a basin full of water on my head, because asking for a little bread isn't a disgrace, is it? And I returned home at once, and because I was always very hungry, I put my feet on the brazier to dry them, and then you returned, and I found they were burnt off. And I'm always hungry, but I no longer have any feet. And poor Pinocchio began to cry and to roar so loudly that he was heard five miles off. Geppetto, who from all this jumbled account had only understood one thing, which was that the puppet was dying of hunger, drew from his pocket three pears, and giving them to him said, These three pears were intended for my breakfast. 
but I will give them to you willingly. Eat them, and I hope they will do you good. If you wish me to eat them, be kind enough to peel them for me. Peel them? said Geppetto, astonished. I should never have thought, my boy, that you were so dainty and fastidious. That is bad. In this world, we should accustom ourselves from childhood to like and to eat everything, for there is no saying to what we may be brought. There are so many chances. You are no doubt right, interrupted Pinocchio, but I will never eat fruit that has not been peeled. I cannot bear a rind. And so that good Geppetto fetched a knife, and arming himself with patience, peeled the three pears and put the rind on the corner of the table. Having eaten the first pear in two mouthfuls, Pinocchio was about to throw away the core, but Geppetto caught hold of his arm and said to him, Do not throw it away. In this world, everything may be of use. But core, I am determined, I will not eat, shouted the puppet, turning upon him like a viper. Who knows? There are so many chances, repeated Geppetto, without losing his temper. And so, the three cores, instead of being thrown out of the window, were placed on the corner of the table together with the three rinds. Having eaten, or rather having devoured the three pears, Pinocchio yawned tremendously and then said in a fretful tone, I am as hungry as ever. But my boy, I have nothing more to give you. Nothing? Really nothing? I have only the rind and the cores of three pears. One must have patience, said Pinocchio. If there is nothing else, I will eat the rind. And he began to chew it. At first he made a wry face, but then, one after another, he quickly disposed of the rinds, and after the rinds, even the cores. And when he had eaten up everything, he clapped his hands on his sides in satisfaction and said joyfully, Ah, now I feel comfortable. You see now, observed Geppetto, that I was right when I said to you that it did not do to accustom ourselves to be too particular or too dainty in our tastes. We can never know, my dear boy, what may happen to us. There are so many chances. 8. Geppetto makes Pinocchio new feet and sells his own coat to buy him a spelling book. No sooner had the puppet appeased his hunger and he began to cry and to grumble because he wanted a pair of new feet. But Geppetto, to punish him for his naughtiness, allowed him to cry and to despair for half the day. He then said to him, Why should I make you new feet? To enable you perhaps to escape again from home? I promise you, said the puppet, sobbing, that for the future I will be good. All boys, replied Geppetto, when they are bent upon obtaining something, say the same thing. I promise you that I will go to school, that I will study and earn a good character. All boys, when they are bent on obtaining something, repeat the same story. But I am not like the other boys. I am better than all of them, and I will always speak the truth. I promise you, Papa, that I will learn a trade, and that I will be the consolation and the staff of your old age. Geppetto, although he put on a severe face, had his eyes full of tears and his heart big with sorrow at seeing his poor Pinocchio in such a pitiable state. He did not say another word, but taking his tools and two small pieces of well-seasoned wood, he set to work with great diligence. 
In less than an hour, the feet were finished. Two little feet, swift, well-knit, and nervous. They might have been models by an artist of genius. Geppetto then said to the puppet, Shut your eyes and go to sleep. And Pinocchio shut his eyes and pretended to sleep. And whilst he pretended to sleep, Geppetto, with a little glue which he had melted in an eggshell, fastened his feet in their place. And it was so well done that not even a trace could be seen of where they were joined. No sooner had the puppet discovered that he had feet than he jumped down from the table on which he was lying and began to spring and to cut a thousand capers about the room, as if he had gone mad with the greatness of his delight. To reward you for what you have done for me, said Pinocchio to his father, I will go to school at once. Good boy. But to go to school, I shall want some clothes. Geppetto, who was poor, and who had not so much as a farthing in his pocket, then made him a little dress of flowered paper, a pair of shoes from the bark of a tree, and a cap of a crumb of bread. Pinocchio ran immediately to look at himself in a crock of water, and he was so pleased with his appearance that he said, strutting about like a peacock, I look quite like a gentleman. Yes, indeed, answered Geppetto. For bear in mind that it is not fine clothes that make the gentleman, but rather clean clothes. By the by, added the puppet, to go to school I am still in want, indeed. I am without the best thing and the most important. And what is it? I have no spelling book. You are right. But what shall we do to get one? It is quite easy. We have only to go to the booksellers and buy it. And the money? I have none. No more have I, added the good old man very sadly. And Pinocchio, although he was a very merry boy, became sad also, because poverty, when it is real poverty, is understood by everybody, even by boys. Well, patience, exclaimed Geppetto, all at once rising to his feet and putting on his old coat, all patched and darned. He ran out of the house. He returned shortly, holding in his hand a spelling book for Pinocchio, but the old coat was gone. The poor man was in his shirt sleeves, and out of doors it was snowing. And the coat, Papa? I've sold it. Why did you sell it? Because I found it too hot. Pinocchio understood this answer in an instant, and unable to restrain the impulse of his good heart, he sprang up, and throwing his arms round Geppetto's neck, he began kissing him again and again. Good night.